everyone, she's I, D.B. Spitzer, hauled away, hold away in self, uh, I don't know, isolation, uh, currently, uh, at Casa D. Blacklock Audio Tales, which is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com, keep your feet warm with some Highland cow slippers in this cold season. It snowed in Portland as I recorded today on, uh, Pi Day, so... Hey, keep your tootsies warm, bunnyslippers.com. And yes, we are in week three of Google, and it's been quite a few three weeks of March, so let's, um, yes. Here we go with more Google. And remember, to keep Blacklock Audio Tales going, why not chuck us out in social media with Facebook at Blacklock Audio Tales. Um, you can also look for us at PGTTCM, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, our monthly show about the Cthulhu Mythos. We generally have guests like Ken Height or Scott, uh, 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 Adam Scott Lancy, uh, David Heath, and all kinds of other sorts of people to talk about all s- uh, sorts of things dealing with weird fiction in the Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, you can also help out the show by going to pgttcm.com, hitting a donate button, or going to the shop. We've got cool t-shirts and uh, housewares there that you could purchase and decorate yourself and your dorm room or your cubicle or your barn or your sacrificial chamber or whatever you, wherever you listen to podcasts. But I don't listen to podcasts in a room. I listen on a bus. Well, then tell the person next to you, why don't you listen to Black Lock Audio Tales? It's an audio tale podcast that tells you a story one chapter at a time or more. And also generally has a theme for its month. This month is Nikolai Gogol, as it is his birth month. And so, yes, that is the theme of this series, Birth Months. If you haven't gotten it yet, you'll get it now, because I just told you. And uh, also, check out me, D.B. Spitzer, uh, Twisted Pulp. Search out Twisted Pulp, and uh, I, I, I do a few voices here and there for Mark Slade on Twisted Pulp. Search it out. And here we go with some Google in just a little bit. You know, I like to pad out the uh, last uh, three mi- or first three minutes with uh, just me yammering, but pgttcm.com. Find all episodes of this, Dave's Corner of the Universe, Articulate Warbling, and whatever else I'm producing this week. Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Taras Bulba and Other Tales by Nikolai Vasilevich Gogol. What took place before the district judge of Mirgorod? A wonderful town is Mirgorod. How many buildings are there with straw, rush, and even wooden roofs? On the right is a street, on the left a street, and fine fences everywhere. Over them twine hop vines, upon them hang pots, from behind them the sunflowers show their sun-like heads. Poppies blush, fat pumpkins peep, all is luxury itself. The fence is invariably garnished with articles which render it still more picturesque. A woman's widespread undergarments of checked woolen stuff, shirts or trousers, 
There's no such thing as theft or rascality in Mirgorod, so everybody hangs upon his fence whatever strikes his fancy. If you go on to the square, you will surely stop and admire the view. Such a wonderful pool is there, the finest you ever saw. It occupies nearly the whole of the square. A truly magnificent pool, the houses and cottages, which at a distance might be mistaken for hayricks, stand around it, lost in admiration of its beauty. But I agree with those who think that there is no better house than that of the district judge. Whether it is of oak or birch is nothing to the point, but it has, my dear sirs, eight windows, eight windows in a row, looking directly on the square and upon that watery expanse which I have just mentioned, and which the chief of police calls a lake. It alone is painted the color of granite. All the other houses in Mirgorod are merely whitewashed. Its roof is of wood, and would have been even painted red had not the government clerks eaten the oil which had been prepared for that purpose as it happened during a fast and so the roof remained unpainted towards the square projects a porch which the chickens frequently visit because that porch is nearly always strewn with grain or something edible not intentionally but through the carelessness of visitors the house is divided into two parts one of which is the courtroom the other the jail in the half which contains the courtroom are two neat whitewashed rooms the front one for clients the other having a table adorned with ink spots and with the looking-glass upon it and four oak chairs with tall backs whilst along the wall stand iron-bound chests in which are preserved bundles of papers relating to district lawsuits upon one of the chests stood at that time a pair of boots polished with wax the court had been open since morning the judge a rather stout man though thinner than ivan nikiforovitch with a good-natured face a greasy dressing-gown a pipe and a cup of tea was conversing with the clerk of the court the judge's lips were directly under his nose so that he could snuff his upper lip as much as he liked it served him instead of a snuff-box for the snuff intended for his nose always lodged upon it so the judge was talking with the assistant a barefooted girl stood holding a tray with cups at one side of him at the end of the table the secretary was reading the decision in some case but in such a mournful and monotonous voice that the condemned man himself would have fallen asleep while listening to it the judge no doubt would have been the first to do so had he not entered into an engrossing conversation while it was going on i expressly try to find out said the judge sipping his already cold tea from the cup how they managed to sing so well i had a splendid thrush two years ago well all of a sudden he was completely done for and began to sing god knows what he got worse and worse and worse and worse as time went on he began to rattle and get hoarse just good for nothing and this is how it happened a little lump 
not so big as a pea had come under his throat it was only necessary to prick that little swelling with a needle zakhar prokofievich taught me that and if you like i'll just tell you how it was i went to him shall i read another demyan demyanovitch broke in the secretary who had not been reading for several minutes have you finished already only think how quickly and i did not hear a word of it where is it give it to me and i'll sign it what else have you there the case of cossack botekok for stealing a cow very good read it yes so i went to him i can even tell you in detail how he entertained me there was vodka and dried sturgeon excellent yes not our sturgeon there the judge smacked his tongue and smiled upon which his nose took a sniff at its usual snuff-box such as our mirgorod shop sells us i ate no herrings for as you know they give me heartburn but i tasted the caviar a very fine caviar too there's no doubt it excellent then i drank some peach brandy real gentine there was saffron brandy also but as you know i never take that you see it was all very good in the first place to whet your appetite as they say and then to satisfy it ah speak of an angel exclaimed the judge all at once catching sight of ivan ivanovitch as he entered god be with us i wish you a good morning said ivan ivanovitch bowing all round with his usual politeness how well he understood the art of fascinating everybody in his manner i never beheld such refinement he knew his own worth quite well and therefore looked for universal respect as his due the judge himself handed ivan ivanovitch a chair and his nose inhaled all the snuff resting on his upper lip which with him was always a sign of great pleasure what will you take ivan ivanovitch he inquired will you have a cup of tea no much obliged replied ivan ivanovitch as he bowed and seated himself do me the favour one little cup repeated the judge no thank you much obliged for your hospitality replied ivan ivanovitch and rose bowed and sat down again just one little cup repeated the judge no do not trouble yourself demyan demyanovitch whereupon ivan ivanovitch again rose bowed and sat down a little cup very well then just a little cup said ivan ivanovitch and reached out his hand to the tray heavens what a height of refinement there was in that man it is impossible to describe what a pleasant impression such manners produced will you not have another cup i thank you sincerely answered ivan ivanovitch turning his cup upside down upon the tray and bowing do me the favour ivan ivanovitch i cannot much obliged thereupon ivan ivanovitch bowed and sat down ivan ivanovitch for the sake of our friendship just one little cup no i am extremely indebted for your hospitality so saying 
Ivan Ivanovitch bowed and seated himself. Only a cup, one little cup. Ivan Ivanovitch put his hand out to the tray and took a cup. Oh, the deuce! How can a man contrive to support his dignity? Demyan Demyanovitch said, Ivan Ivanovitch, swallowing the last drain, I have pressing business with you. I want to enter a complaint. Then Ivan Ivanovitch set down his cup and drew from his pocket a sheet of stamped paper written over. A complaint against my enemy, my declared enemy. And who is that? Ivan Nikirovich Dovkochkun. At these words, the judge nearly fell off the chair. What do you say? he exclaimed, clasping his hands. Ivan Ivanovitch, is this you? You see yourself that it is I. The Lord and all the saints be with you. What? You? Ivan Ivanovitch? You have fallen out with Ivan Nikiforovitch? Is it your mouth which says that? Repeat it. It is not someone hid behind you who is speaking instead of you? What is there incredible about it? I can't endure this sight of him. He has done me a deadly injury. He has insulted my honor. Holy Trinity, how am I to believe my mother now? Why, every day when I quarrel with my sister, the old woman says, Children, you live together like dogs. If you would only take pattern by Ivan Ivanovitch and Ivan Nikiforovitch, they are friends, indeed. Such friends, such worthy people. There you are with your friend. Tell me what this is all about. How is it? It is a delicate business, Demyan Demyanovitch. It is impossible to relate it in words. Be pleased rather to read my plaint. Here, take it by this side. It is more convenient. Read it. Taras Teknonovitch, said the judge, turning to the secretary. Taras Teknonovitch took the pliant and blowing his nose as all district judges' secretaries blow their noses. With the assistance of two fingers, he began to read. From the nobleman and landed proprietor of the Mirgorod district, Ivan Perepenko, son of Ivan, a pliant, concerning which the following points are to be noted. 1. Ivan Dovgotchkun, son of Nikifor, nobleman known to all the world of, for his godless acts, which inspire disgust and in lawlessness exceed all bonds, on the seventh day of July of this year, 1810, inflicted upon me a deadly insult, touching my personal honor, and likewise tending to the humiliation and confusion of my rank and family. The said nobleman, of repulsive aspect, has also a pugnacious disposition, and is full to overflowing with blasphemy and quarrelsome words. Here the reader paused for an instance to blow his nose again, but the judge folded his hands in approbation and murmured to himself, What a ready pen! Lord, how this man does write! Ivan Ivanovitch requested that the reading might proceed, and Taras Tekhanovitch went on. The said Ivan Dovgachkun, son of Nikifor, when I went to him with a friendly proposition, 
called me publicly by an epithet insulting and injurious to my honor namely a goose whereas it is known to the whole district of mirgorod that i never was named after that disgusting creature and have no intention of ever being named after it the proof of my noble extraction is that in the baptismal register to be found in the church of the three bishops the day of my birth and likewise the fact of my baptism are inscribed but a goose as is well known to every one who has any knowledge of science cannot be inscribed in the baptismal register for a goose is not a man but a fowl which likewise is sufficiently well known even to persons who who have not been to college but the said evil-minded nobleman being privy to all these facts affronted me with the aforesaid foul word for no other purpose than to offer a deadly insult to my rank and station two and the same impolite and indecent nobleman moreover attempted injury to my property inherited to by me by my father a member of the clerical profession ivan perepenko son of onisef of blessed memory inasmuch as that he contrary to all law transported directly opposite my porch a goose shed which was done with no other intention than to emphasize the insult offered me for the said shed had up to that time stood in a very suitable situation and was still sufficiently strong but the loathsome intention of the aforesaid nobleman consisted simply in this viz in making me a witness of unpleasant occurrences for it is well known that no man goes into a shed much less into a goose shed for polite purposes in the execution of his lawless deed the two front posts trespassed on my land received by me during the lifetime of my father ivan perepenko son of onisef of blessed memory beginning at the granary thence in a straight line to the spot where the women washed the pots three the above described nobleman whose very name and surname inspire thorough disgust cherished in his mind a malicious design to burn me in my own house which the infallible signs here and after mentioned fully demonstrate in the first place the said wicked nobleman has begun to emerge frequently from his apartments which he never did formally on account of his laziness and the disgusting corpulence of his body in the second place in his servants apartments adjoining the fence surrounding my own land received by me from my father of blessed memory ivan perepenko son of onisef a light burns every day and for a remarkably long period of times which is also a clear proof of the fact for hitherto owing to his repulsive niggardliness not only the tallow candle but also the grease lamp has been extinguished and therefore i pray that the said nobleman ivan dovgotchkun son of nikifor being plainly guilty of incendiarism of insult to my rank name and family 
and of illegal appropriation of my property and worse than all else of malicious and deliberate addition to my surname of the nickname of goose to be condemned by the court to fine satisfaction costs and damages and being chained to be removed to the town jail that judgment be rendered upon this my pliant immediately and without delay written and composed by ivan perepenko son of ivan nobleman and landed proprietor of mirgorod after the reading of the plant was concluded the judge approached ivanovitch took him by the button and began to talk to him after this fashion what are you doing ivan ivanovitch fear god throw away that pliant let it go may satan carry it off better take ivan nikiforovitch by the hand and kiss him buy him some saturninsky or nipolsky liquor make a punch and call me in we will drink it up together and forget all the unpleasantness no demyan demyanovitch it's not that sort of affair said ivan ivanovitch with the dignity which always became him so well it is not an affair which can be arranged by a friendly agreement farewell good day to you too gentlemen he continued with the same dignity turning to them all i hope that my pliant will lead to a proper action being taken and out he went leaving all present in a state of stupefaction the judge sat down without uttering a word the secretary took a pinch of snuff the clerks upset some broken fragments of bottles which served for inkstands and the judge himself in absence of mind spread out a puddle of ink upon the table with his finger what do you say to this dorofey trofimovitch said the judge turning to the assistant after a pause i've nothing to say replied the clerk what things do happen continued the judge he had not finished saying this before the door creaked and the front half of ivan nikiforovitch presented itself in the court-room the rest of him remaining in the ante-room the appearance of ivan nikiforovitch and in court too seemed so extraordinary that the judge screamed the secretary stopped reading one clerk in his frieze imitation of a dress-coat took his pen in his lips and the others swallowed a fly even the constable on duty and the watchman a discharged soldier who up to that moment had stood by the door scratching about his dirty tunic with chevrons on its arm dropped his jaw and trod on someone's foot what chance brings you here how is your help ivan nikiforovitch but ivan nikiforovitch was neither dead nor alive for he was stuck fast in the door and could not take a step either forward or backward in vain did the judge shout into the ante-room that someone there should push ivan nikiforovitch forward into the court-room in the ante-room there was only one old woman with a petition who in spite of all the efforts of her bony hands could accomplish nothing then one of the clerks with thick lips a thick nose eyes which looked askant and intoxicated 
broad shoulders and ragged elbows approached the front half of ivan nikiforovitch crossed his hands for him as though he had been a child and winked at the old soldier who braced his knee against ivan nikiforovitch's belly so in spite of the latter's piteous moans he was squeezed out into the ante-room then they pulled the bolts and opened the other half of the door meanwhile the clerks and his assistants breathing hard with their friendly exertions exhaled such a strong odour that the court-room seemed temporarily turned into a drinking-room are you hurt ivan nikiforovitch i will tell my mother to send you a decoration of brandy with which you need but to rub your back and stomach and all your pains will disappear but ivan nikiforovitch dropped into a chair and could utter no word beyond prolonged o's finally in a faint and barely audible voice from fatigue he exclaimed wouldn't you like some and drawing his snuff-box from his pocket added help yourself if you please very glad to see you replied the judge but i cannot conceive what made you put yourself to so much trouble and favor us with so unexpected an honor a pliant ivan nikiforovitch managed to ejaculate a pliant what pliant a complaint here his asthma entailed a prolonged pause oh a complaint against that rascal ivan ivanovitch perepenko and you too such particular friends a complaint against such a benevolent man he's satan himself ejaculated ivan nikiforovitch abruptly the judge crossed himself take my pliant and read it there is nothing to be done read it taras tiknohovitch said the judge turning to the secretary with an expression of displeasure which caused his nose to sniff at his upper lip which generally occurred only as a sign of great enjoyment this independence on the part of his nose caused the judge still greater vexation he pulled out his handkerchief and rubbed off all the snuff from his upper lip in order to punish it for its daring the secretary having gone through the usual performance which he always indulged in before he began to read that is to say blowing his nose without the aid of a pocket-handkerchief began in his ordinary voice in the following manner ivan dovkochkun son of nikifor nobleman of the mirgorod district presents a pliant and begs to call upon the attention to the following points one through his hateful malice and plainly manifested ill-will the person calling himself a nobleman ivan perepenko son of ivan perpetuates against me every manner of injury damage and like spiteful deeds which inspire me with terror yesterday afternoon like a brigand and thief with axes saws chisels and various locksmith tools he came by night into my yard and into my own goose shed located within it and with his own hand and in an outrageous manner destroyed it for which very illegal and burglarious deed on my side i gave no manner of cause two 
the same nobleman perepenko has designs upon my life and on the seventh of last month cherishing this design in secret he came to me and began in a friendly and insidious manner to ask of me a gun which was in my chamber and offered me for it with the miserliness peculiar to him many worthless objects such as brown sow and two sacks of oats divining at that time his criminal intentions i endeavoured in every way to dissuade him from it but the said rascal and scoundrel ivan perepenko's son of ivan abused me like a muzik and since that time has cherished against me an irreconcilable enmity his sister was well known to everyone as a loose character and went off with a regiment of chasseurs which was stationed at mirgorod five years ago but she inscribed her husband as a peasant his father and mother too were not law-abiding people and both were inconceivable drunkards the aforementioned nobleman and robber perepenko in his beastly and blameworthy actions goes beyond all his family and under the guise of piety does the most immoral things he does not observe the fasts for on the eve of saint philip's this atheist bought a sheep and the next day ordered his mistress gapka to kill it alleging that he needed tallow for lamps and candles at once therefore i pray that the said nobleman a manifest robber church thief and rascal convicted of plundering and stealing may be put in irons and confined in the jail or the government prison and there under supervision deprived of his rank and nobility well flogged and banished to forced labor in siberia and that he may be commanded to pay damages and costs and that judgment may be rendered on this my petition to this pliant ivan dovkotchkun son of nikifor noble of mirgorod district had set his hand as soon as the secretary had finished reading ivan nikiforovitch seized his hat and bowed with the intention of departing where are you going ivan nikiforovitch the judge called after him sit down a little while have some tea orishko why are you standing there you stupid girl winking at the clerks go bring tea but ivan nikiforovitch in terror at having got so far from home and at having undergone such a fearful quarantine made haste to crawl through the door saying don't trouble yourself it is with pleasure that i and closed it after him leaving all present stupefied there was nothing to be done both clients were entered and the affair promised to assume a sufficiently serious aspect when an unforeseen occurrence lent an added interest to it as the judge was leaving the court in company with the clerk and secretary and employees were thrusting into sacks the fowls eggs loaves pies cracknels and other odds and ends brought by the plaintiffs just at that moment a brown sow rushed into the room and snatched to the amazement of the spectators neither a pie nor a crust of bread 
but ivan nikitovitch's pliant which lay at the end of the table with its leaves hanging over having seized the document mistress sow ran off so briskly that no one of the clerks or officials could catch her in spite of the rulers and ink bottles they hurled after her this extraordinary occurrence produced a terrible muddle for there had not been even a copy taken of the pliant the judge that is to say his secretary and assistant debated for a long time upon such an unheard-of affair finally it was decided to write a report of the matter to the governor as the investigation of the matter pertained more to the department of the city police report number three eighty nine was dispatched to him that same day and also upon that day there came to light a sufficiently curious explanation which the reader may learn from the following chapter End of section 19, chapter 4. LibriVox.org Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Taras Bulba and Other Tales by Nikolai Vasilevich Gogol chapter twenty in which are detailed the deliberations of two important personages of virgorod as soon as ivan ivanovitch had arranged his domestic affairs and stepped out upon the balcony according to his custom to lie down he saw to his indescribable amazement something red at the gate this was the red facings of the chief of police's coat which were polished equally with his collar and resembled varnished leather on the edges ivan ivanovitch thought to himself it's not bad that peter fedorovitch has come to talk it over with me but he was very much surprised to see that the chief was walking remarkably fast and flourishing his hands which were very rarely the case with him there were eight buttons on the chief of police's uniform the ninth torn off in some manner during the procession at the consecration of the church two years before the police had not been able to find out to this time although the chief on the occasion of the daily reports made to him by the sergeants always asked has that button been found these eight buttons were strewn about him as women's sow beans one to the right and one to the left his left foot was struck by a ball in the last campaign and so he limped and threw it out so far to one side as to almost counteract the efforts of the right foot the more briskly the chief of police worked his walking apparatus the less progress he made in advance so while he was getting to the balcony ivan ivanovitch had plenty of time to lose himself in surmises as to why the chief was flourishing his hands so vigorously this interested him the more as the matter seemed one of unusual importance for the chief had a new dagger good morning peter fedorovitch cried ivan ivanovitch 
who was as has always been stated exceedingly curious and could not restrain his impatience as the chief of police began to ascend to the balcony yet never raised his eyes and kept grumbling at his foot which could not be persuaded to mount the step at the first attempt i wish my good friend and benefactor ivan ivanovitch a good day replied the chief pray sit down i see that you are weary as your lame foot hinders my foot cried the chief bestowing upon ivan ivanovitch a glance such as a giant might cast upon a pygmy a pendant upon a dancing master and he stretched out his foot and stamped down upon the floor with it this boldness cost him dear for his whole body wavered and his nose struck the railing but the brave preserver of order with the purpose of making light of it righted himself immediately and began to feel in his pocket as if to get his snuff-box i must report to you my dear friend and benefactor ivan ivanovitch that never in all my days have i made such a march yes seriously for instance during the campaign of eighteen o seven ah i will tell you how i crawled through the enclosure to see a pretty little german here the chief closed one eye and executed a diabolically sly smile where have you been to-day asked ivan ivanovitch wishing to cut the chief short and bring him more speedily to the object of his visit he was very much liked to inquire what the chief meant to tell him but his extensive knowledge of the world showed him the impropriety of such a question and so he had to keep himself well in hand and await a solution his heart meanwhile beating with unusual force ah excuse me i was going to tell you where was i answered the chief of police in the first place i report that the weather is fine to-day at these last words ivan ivanovitch nearly died but permit me went on the chief i have come to you to-day about a very important affair here the chief's face and bearing assumed the same careworn aspect with which he had ascended to the balcony ivan ivanovitch breathed again and shook as if in a fever omitting not as was his habit to put a question what is the important matter is it important pray judge for yourself in the first place i venture to report to you dear friend and benefactor ivan ivanovitch that you i beg you to observe that for my own part i should have nothing to say but the rules of government require it that you have transgressed the rules of propriety what do you mean peter fedorovitch i don't understand at all pardon me ivan ivanovitch how can it be that you do not understand your own beast has destroyed an important government document and you can still say after that that you do not understand what beast your own brown sow with your permission be it said how can i be responsible why did the doorkeeper of the court open the door but ivan ivanovitch your own brown sow you must be responsible 
I am extremely obliged to you for comparing me to a sow. But I did not say that, Ivan Ivanovitch. By heaven, I did not say so. Pray judge from your own clear conscience. It is known to you without doubt that in accordance with the views of the government, unclean animals are forbidden to roam about the town, particularly in the principal streets. Admit now that it is prohibited. God knows what you're talking about. A mighty important business that a sow got into the street. Permit me to inform you, Ivan Ivanovitch, permit me, permit me, that this is utterly inadvisable. What is to be done? The authorities command, we must obey. I don't deny that sometimes chicken and geese run about the street and even about the square. Pray observe, chicken and geese, but only last year I gave orders that pigs and goats were not to be admitted to the public squares, which regulations I directed to be read aloud at the time before all the people. No, Peter Fedorovitch, I see nothing here except that you are doing your best to insult me. But you cannot say that, my dearest friend and benefactor, that I have tried to insult you. Bethink yourself, I never said a word to you last year when you built a roof a whole foot higher than is allowed by law. On the contrary, I pretended not to have observed it. Believe me, my dearest friend, even now I would, so to speak, but my duty, in a word, my duty demands that I should have an eye to cleanliness. Just judge for yourself when suddenly in the principal street fine principal streets you are every woman goes there and throws down any rubbish she chooses permit me to inform you ivan ivanovitch that it is you who are insulting me that does sometimes happen but as a rule only besides fences sheds or storehouses but that a filthy sow should intrude herself in the main street in the square now is a matter what sort of a matter peter fedorovitch surely a sow is one of god's creatures agreed everybody knows that you are a learned man that you are acquainted with sciences and various other subjects i never studied the sciences i began to learn to write in my thirteenth year of course you know that i was a soldier in the ranks mm said ivan ivanovitch yes continued the chief of police in eighteen o one i was in the forty-second regiment of chasseurs lieutenant in the fourth company the commander of our company was if i may be permitted to mention it captain irimov thereupon the chief of police thrust his fingers into the snuff-box which ivan ivanovitch was holding open and stirred up the stuff. Ivan Ivanovitch answered, Mmm. But my duty, went on the chief of police, is to obey the commands of the authorities. Do you know, Ivan Ivanovitch, that a person who purloins a government contract in the courtrooms incurs capital punishment equally with other criminals? I know it, and if you like, I can give you lessons it is so decreed with to regard to people as if you for instance were to steal a document 
but a sow is an animal one of god's creatures certainly but the law reads those guilty of theft i beg of you to listen more attentively those guilty here is indicated neither race nor sex nor rank of course an animal can be guilty you may say what you please but the animal until the sentence is pronounced by the court should be committed to the charge of the police as a transgressor of the law no peter fedorovitch retorted ivan ivanovitch coolly that shall not be as you like i only must carry out the orders of the authorities what are you threatening me with probably you want to send that one-armed soldier after her i shall order the woman who tends the door to drive him off with the poker he'll get his last arm broken i dare not dispute with you in case you will not commit the sow to the charge of the police then do what you please with her kill her for christmas if you like and make hams of her or eat her as she is only i should like to ask you in case you make sausages to send me a couple such as your gapka makes so well of blood and lard my agrafina trofomovna is extremely fond of them i will send you a couple of sausages if you permit i shall be extremely obliged to you dear friend and benefactor now permit me to say one word more i am commissioned by the judge as well as by all our acquaintances so to speak to effect a reconciliation between you and your friend ivan nikiforovitch what with that brute i to be reconciled to that clown never it shall not be it shall not be ivan ivanovitch was in a remarkably determined frame of mind as you like replied the chief of police treating both nostrils to snuff i will not venture to advise you but permit me to mention here you live at enmity and if you make peace but ivan ivanovitch began to talk about catching quail as he usually did when he wanted to put an end to a conversation so the chief of police was obliged to retire without having achieved any success whatsoever end of section twenty and chapter five